Blog Talk Radio. things have been decided, but mostly everything is wide open, uh, you know, deep into this season. Um, we don't have number one seeds. We don't, we do have a couple of teams that are, that are locked into the playoffs that have, that have punched their ticket. You know, the Eagles are in the, um, I got to look and see. I know the Eagles are in, I'm pretty sure the uh, Patriots just won their division. And I believe the Steelers are are in. Um, hold on, I'm just gonna just look this up real quick. But I'm pretty. I know my co-host would probably know, but I I get these guys on in a second. But um, let me just real quick here. Yeah, so the Patriots are in, the Steelers are in, the Jaguars are in, uh, in the AFC. But number one, number two, you know, the, all that stuff hasn't been decided yet. Um, and then in the NFC. You've got the Eagles, they're in, won their division. Vikings have won their division. And that's it. So you've got five playoff teams out of uh, 12 decided. So a lot to decide. But real quick, before we get into football, there is a lot to discuss tonight. Um, I do have to take a minute and uh, congratulate Gino Auriemma. Um Literally, as we speak, the game is ending and uh, – UConn uh, Lady Huskies, uh, coached by Gina Oriema, have just won. He's just won his thousand, one thousandth. I can't even talk. Like I, like I, I have some scotch because I'm getting my little drink on on the show tonight. Just, just warn everybody. So, so look out, okay? But I haven't had a sip yet. Uh, I'm waiting, waiting to have my brother on the line with me so I can have a sip. I don't think he's drinking, but I'm gonna have a sip with my brother anyway, even if he ain't drinking. Point I'm making is. Congratulations to Gino. Gino actually started coaching my freshman year at UConn. And um, so that just shows how, how, how long ago that was because I was like, you know, 100 years ago. And he hit his thousandth win tonight faster than any coach in NCAA history, men or women. Um, his record is 1,000 wins and 185 losses. Before Gino came to UConn, the women had only had one winning season in their career. Okay. So when we did, and the reason I'm saying, obviously I live in Connecticut. I went to UConn. I'm a UConn fan. And, and there, you know, there's that, but it, but I, I say that really to make a larger point of how important 
coaching is. When we talk about professional sports, we talk about college sports, and we hear on the Madden Voice always talk about coaching quarterback. It's funny. Before that, I never heard that on TV. I never heard that on TV. I hear it all the time now. Coaching quarterback, coaching quarterback. Coach. I'm like, hmm, you really think no one's out there listening to the Madden Voice? Ah, I beg to differ. But anyway, congratulations, Gino. Well-deserved. Congratulations to my Huskies. Congratulations to UConn, and uh, hey, little old state like Connecticut, you know, national, international news. And, and frankly, when you talk about best coaches across any platform, if Geno's not in that conversation, something's wrong. We talk about the Belichicks, we talk about the Phil Jacksons and the Red Arbacks and, you know, uh, you know a lot of great coaches in, in, in history, uh, Bill Parcells and Bill Walsh. But if, if we're not talking about Geno, regardless of sport on any level, as one of the greatest coaches ever, then you guys, something's wrong. 1,000 wins, 185 losses. Okay, just let that marinate. But anyway, let's get back to some football now. Let's bring on, we've got, uh, uh, well, at least we've got two of the co-hosts here. We've got JB. Welcome to the Madden Voice. Yes, sir. Was not sure I was going to be able to make it, but I'm certainly glad I'm here, so I appreciate it. All right, and we've got K-Star. Welcome to the Madden Voice. What's up, T? What up, Brother J? K-Star, what up, player? Not much. I could use some of that scotch that, that uh, he has. <laughs> I could have used that Sunday night, but other than that, I'm good. Well, I'll take you the know, whole bottle. Well, let me just tell you something. I know, I know. K Star could use some scotch. I damn sure know JB could use some scotch. And uh, oh JB, man, oh man. Um, we'll we'll get up on that another time. But um, this bottle was bought. This was a bottle that I just opened tonight. It was bought for my birthday back um, 50th birthday um, by a lovely young lady named Lena. Um, bought me this scotch a bottle of Johnny Walker Black, which was as Jay knows my dad's. You know, like everyday scotch, that was his drinking scotch, Johnny Walker Black. There were others he really, really liked, but dad was cheap, so he wasn't going to spend a lot of money for that stuff every day. That was stuff for a special occasion. But every day, if he's going to sit downstairs, Jay, you know what I'm talking about, you know, doing what he did. You already knew what he was drinking. He was drinking JWB, Johnny Walker Black. And uh, me and my... and my bruh, you know, when we get together, we, we do a lot of things. One of the things we always do is we do a, a Johnny Walker Black for my dad. So, you know, tonight, being the last time all of us will be on before Christmas, I plan to do a couple one-off shows. You guys are certainly welcome to join me, but I've got some vacation time. I'm going to do some shows because I can. Um, I just got some shit I got to get off my chest, but I'll do it. I'll do it separately than this show. Um, but since this was the last time the four of us will get together, uh, I decided to celebrate the holiday with my brothers and have a little scotch. But I, 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 I need to do something I don't do often. I need to defer right now. You know what I'm saying? I need to defer right now. I need to turn, I need to turn the show over to somebody right now who probably has a lot on his mind. And it's probably, you know, one thing about being able to come on the Madden Voice and be a host on the Madden Voice is it's kind of therapeutic. You know what I mean? You, you kind of, you know, it, it, it kind of, it doesn't fix it. But to be able to vent and really tell the, the Madden Voice Nation how you feel about something, I think it helps because I've been there. So I'm not even going to say what it's I'm sure everybody knows, and I'm sure everybody knows who it is. So you know what? We're going to let him take over and talk about the Sunday game. K-Star, 
I know you got some stuff to get off your chest. The floor is yours, my brother. Appreciate it. So Sunday happened. Um, we we all witnessed the Pittsburgh Steelers outclass, outplay, and even outcoach the Patriots on Sunday. Only for it to end in defeat. You know, when the Steelers stepped on their home field in Pittsburgh, may it, might I remind you, and they played the Patriots, I don't think on the back of their minds or, or I don't think anyone else thought that they'd also be playing the Zebras as well. It's hard enough to beat New England. New England, over the years, has dominated Pittsburgh. Tom Brady specifically hadn't thrown an interception versus Steelers since 2001. That's not a typo. That's not something that is made up. That is a fact. And the Steelers got pressure. They changed up schematically. They ran the ball effectively, averaging for four yards per carry. Le'Veon Bell crossed the 100-yard mark. We weathered the storm that is losing our best player and uh, one of our leaders, Antonio Brown, for the game, very early on in the game, and weathered the Tom Brady comeback, which is, again, very tough to do, only to be fought. Only for the for for all the fans, uh, this game was the most, most highly watched game of the season. Only for everyone to see the NFL have some severe fundamental problems with their own rules, with their own play with their own rule book in determining what a touchdown is. You know, I don't need to rehash the play. We saw what happened, but I'm going to do it anyway because I'm going to get off my chest. We saw Jesse James catch the ball, and we saw him cross the plane, just as we would see a running back cross the plane, just as we would see a quarterback cross the plane, and we thought that was it. The field, Heinz Field exploded. Steeler fans across the nation exploded. Patriot haters, I'm sure, also exploded. And we got Des Bryant. We, we got we got the Des Bryant rule, that 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 evil, horrific rule. And T, uh, I'm not sure if you remember this, but I was right by your side when it happened, when Des Bryant and the Cowboys were robbed. And you know what's sad is you have a lot of people. Again, this was the most highly rated game of the season. You have a lot of people scratching their head wondering, what the fuck is a touchdown? What is the most important scoring play in the NFL? And you have some people trying to be scientific with it to make up rules as they go along, citing that, you know, well, he didn't complete the catch, so on and so forth, but he wasn't in the end zone when he completed the catch. He completed the catch before the end zone, and he crossed the plane. That should be it. We've seen several times this year where that was scored and marked as a touchdown. So you have the NFL exposed, and you have, unfortunately, the Steelers completely screwed on national television. And it's heartbreaking because they played so well. Big Ben played such a great game. And for it to end the way it did, it was just mind-boggling, disgusting, but also a caricature of how the NFL – manage itself in that it doesn't have any criteria, any consistency, any parameters that make sense. And we saw it on the field Sunday, and I'm, I'm still disgusted by it. 
So, I, you know, and, and, and to prepare myself for this show, and I have a lot to say, too, but I, I want to engage a bit here, Jay, and we'll pull you in, too, so it's not going to be, uh, you know, me on a rant. But um, I went back and listened to the show we did after Des Bryant's catch. I went and listened to probably, and it was funny because I had technical difficulties, so we had to delete the show and then redo it because there was a problem. And, but anyway, so, but I did, I did actually listen to probably 40 minutes. We did an hour and 15-minute show, and I think I listened to like 45 minutes of the show because I wanted to see where everyone's position was. And, K-Star, you're right. You, you did, um, you were there, and you said, hey, I think it was a catch. But you did say something additional. You did agree that it was a catch, but you also said, I believe it was a catch, but per the rule, it's not a catch. Those were your words about the Des Bryant. So I'm, I'm asking you, do you have the same feeling about Jesse James? Do you feel, you know, it's a catch, but per the written rule, it's not a catch? I think both were catches. And I think that per the rule, technically, that it, there because there's variance within the rule, yes, it technically could. It, it could fall on either side where it technically it wasn't completed or it was. It just de- it depends on when you, where you determined the catch was complete. And in this case, for both instances, Des and for Jesse, to me it seemed like it was before the end zone, to which they outstretched their arms. And to me, because there's that again that that inherent variance within the rule, um, you can you can see certain plays where okay, well that makes sense, or where that doesn't. And here I think that happened where where we just. Again, saw it for what it was—a catch and touchdown—and the NFL said no, no, it wasn't. And that's a problem that they never addressed that very offseason when they had the opportunity to. And it hurt us again. It's a very bad rule, and because they didn't clean it up after the Des Bryant uh, debacle, we have to suffer through it. And the rule needs to be absolutely uh, clarified and, and adjusted. And more, moreover, I think it needs to be consistent. Because, like I said earlier, you have runners who, once they cross the plane, the play is over once they jump across the pylon for a touchdown. And here you have receivers who are catching the ball before they're even in the end zone and crossing the ball over the pylon. But then all of a sudden it's different for them. So there needs to be some consistency there. Yeah, um, uh, let's bring JB in because there's more I want to say, but I want to give JB some, 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 uh, some runway here because I know you also – had some strong feelings about the Des Bryant play back in 2015, um, almost three years ago now, when it happened. It was January of 2015. Um, how do you view the Jesse James play? If anyone out there listening, Jesse James is a tight end that caught the pass um, from Ben that um, was originally called a touchdown and then later overturned as an incomplete pass. Um, JB, how do you feel, one, do you, do you, do you see this as a catch – and what are your thoughts comparing it to the Des Bryant, Des Bryant play? And also, if you want, even the Calvin Johnson play. These are the three plays that people have been talking about this, this last couple of days. All right. Well, to answer your question, I saw the replay quite a few times. I believed it was a catch. Personally, I thought it was a catch. And with his knee being down, I thought he was down just short of the goal line from where the ball was when his knee touched the ground. So I thought it was a catch. Now, in comparison to Des Bryant, um, the one thing I'll say is this. This particular play happened in, in determining 
basically the who has the inside track for home field advantage in the playoffs. The Des Bryant one was actually in the playoffs. So the, the stakes were much higher with the Des Bryant play versus the Jesse James play. So that's why I still say it was more of a detriment for Des Bryant's catch than with Jesse James' catch. Uh, but still, with that being said, I agree with what K-Star was saying. I, I think they need to try and figure out what is a catch because right now nobody seems to truly know. And it made it more complicated and more com- complex than what it really needs to be. I don't know why it's such a big deal and why they can't get it right, but they need to figure it out. Um, the, the Calvin Johnson one, uh, I think that was a catch too. Uh, I, I just don't see why this is such such a, a difficult matter, especially when football has been around for God knows how many decades. But for whatever reason, they just want to seem like they want to make it more difficult than what it needs to be. So so I have, like, concurrent thoughts. Um, my first thought is they were both catches in my mind, period. Okay, I'm just going to – I'm going – before I say anything else, they're both catches, okay? Here's where there's one difference, though. Dez went up, caught the ball, switched hands, took three steps, lunged. Uh, Jesse James caught the ball. Um, knee went down. I don't believe he would be down there, Jay, only because he wasn't touched. So I get what you're saying about the knee being down, but he wasn't touched. If he had been touched, then yes, he would be a half yard mm-hmm. short. Um, but he wasn't touched, mm-hmm. so so he could still technically score. Um, but I get, mm-hmm. but I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. At that point, I think we agreed it should have been a catch right there, because right. one leg was down, one knee was down. He had clear possession enough to turn towards the end zone. In, in, in all of our minds, that's a catch. Um, I think the difference again though is Dez took three steps and lunged, and Jesse James just kind of turned and went towards the end zone. So that's that's a difference. I don't think it changes my opinion. I still think that's a catch. Um, the one thing that I heard that if I was coaching on any level in the pros, whether I was uh, on offense, obviously other than offensive line, but if I was coaching um, receivers or offensive coordinator or even a quarterback coach, the one thing I heard, the only thing I heard the last two days, and, and it was actually from Dean Blandino, who I cannot stand, he is the one who actually um, made the, the call on the Des Bryant one. He now works for, uh, um, I think it works for CBS, and uh, Mike Pereira works for Fox. But the one thing they said that I that I understood that I think if they don't simplify the rule, then this is what everyone has to remember moving forward, is they're saying when you catch the ball and you go to the ground, you need to think about keeping possession, and being able to actually hand the ball to the referee. And if anything happens that disrupts you being able to do that, it's not a catch. Now, when I heard that, I said, wow, okay. Like, that makes sense. You know, Calvin Johnson went down and put the ball on the ground and lost it. Dez um, leaped, and the ball popped out of his hand for a second. Uh, Jesse James, we saw the ball move, kind of shift, and clearly one hand came off the ball. That right hand is the funky one. Um, I think he still had possession, but I could, I, you can make a case that he kind of lost firm possession then. You can make that case. And that was the only thing that I heard that kind of made me think, okay, if I'm coaching until they change this rule, 
That's why I'm telling everybody, every wide receiver, every tight end, every running back, when you catch the ball, you squeeze that ball for dear life, okay? You see, if there's a woman out there that you like and you see them, you see them breastfuses and you really like them breasts, you think about how you would squeeze them breasts, okay? And Man, that's how you budget, squeeze. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And that's how you squeeze that ball until the play is over and you can hand it to the referee. Because clearly, and I'm being serious, and I'm also being facetious at the same time, because clearly that's the only way that this doesn't happen. Because we had a game in Dallas that, you know, now they still had about four minutes to play. If Dallas had scored Aaron Rodgers, it's likely that he would have came back. You know, the game wasn't over. But, but we don't know. Um, clearly, this game, you're playing for everything. And if that's a touchdown with 30 seconds or whatever was left, even the great Tom Brady, I don't know the way he was playing, which other than being able to throw to Gronk, he really didn't look that good, if you ask me. I don't know why everybody's tooting his horn. I mean, Gronk saved his butt because if it wasn't for Gronk, he, he, I'm telling you, I'm seeing an average quarterback back there. I'm not seeing the great Tom Brady. Now, Gronk picked him up. Gronk did what Gronk does. But I don't know that Tom would have had enough time to come down and, and get a field goal and tie it again. I just don't think that would have happened. So there's a lot on the line here. And I think when, when you have that much on the line, you've got to be clear. And if you're going to overturn a touchdown of that magnitude, then you better make damn sure that, that you know what this call is. And the fact that so many people have talked about it for the last 48 you know, hours or so tells me that they need to go back to the drawing board. They need to do something about this. Now, I said this three years ago. Can't start saying it now. And, and with all due respect, you weren't this ad- adamant three years ago because it wasn't your team. But, see, it could be any of our teams on any given day that this happened. No, but I did, I did agree with you. I did agree with you. You agreed. You agreed. Now you really agree. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Hmm. Can I just no. say – Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. T, go ahead. Okay. No, no, so no. no one, I, go ahead. The, the one problem I have with the argument about that, you know, you need to basically hold on to the ball for dear life and then give it back to the rest, if, if that's true, then why is that not the case on the entire football field? The dynamics only seem to change once it's within the end zone, and that's what bothers me. I think that's what causes confusion. And one other point, you know, is, is that when they talk about catching the ball in the end zone, you know, there's still balls that are caught before you get into the end zone, such as here, such as with Dez, which actually – makes them unique from even Calvin. That's what separates those two plays from Calvin's play, where he actually caught the ball within the end zone. I could actually probably get by with that being the case within the end zone, within the actual end zone. Um, even then, I would still say, like, hey, probably should be the same across the board, you know, to eliminate confusion and just let these guys, you know, be natural and compete. But you have, again, you, when you are catching the ball before you get into the end zone, like the, the, the touchdown, it needs to – there should be no having to get the ball to the referee because then, you know, like it, it's different from what you're doing throughout the rest of the football field for one. But if you did that, say, on the 50, you know, what if no one touches you? And the referee's like, nah, bro, I don't want that ball. It's a live ball. And then you fumble. I mean, it, the, the point is, like, they shouldn't have to be thinking about those type of things. Well, I think, I think, it, I, I don't think it, I don't think they literally mean hand it to the ref. I think they're not able to. Be able to. Yeah, but it just seems it's you, different across the field, where you are depending on the field, and that shouldn't be the case to me. 
I, I think my issue with it is if you're a runner with the ball, um, they treat you differently than if you're a receiver with the yes. ball. Yeah. And, 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 and I'm not feeling that, you know, a runner um, has a lot more latitude than the receiver does. You know, um, if, if that was Le'Veon Bell running into the end zone and that had happened, that's a touchdown because the second exactly. he breaks the plane, it's a touchdown. But it's Jesse James and he's catching the ball. And because he didn't complete the process of the catch going to the ground, it's an incomplete pass. I, I'm not I'm not feeling that. <laughs> and, and, and don't and get me wrong, I ain't a Steelers fan. I'm a football fan. I'm just not feeling it at all. And, and think about from the player's perspective. I mean, the guy thinks he just catches – game-winning touchdown, like, yeah, I mean, he crossed the plane. You would think that's that's it. You would think that's that's the play. I mean, I can only imagine the adrenaline that's pumping through his body. It's like, yeah, when I hand the ball to the referee, be done with this. I want to celebrate my team. That was awesome. And then that happens. It's just such a terrible black eye for the NFL, which has been just beat up this season. And for everyone to see that, casual fans, uh, potential new fans, I mean, it – it doesn't sit well. It doesn't bode well. They definitely need to revisit this, and they need to solve this. They can't let this linger any longer. And by the way, just just because you know, Kester had had to point out how the Pittsburgh um, Patriots game was the most watched game of the season. He had to he had to it throw wasn't that even out. A gloat, by the way, it wasn't but, even gloat. No, I know, I know, I know. You gloated last week when you were you when you were America's team and all that bullshit. I, I just want to point <laughs> out that. When you look at the top five games of this season, three of them were our Cowboy games. And that's kind of the point that I make every year, that when you look at the top five games, you're going to find at least two, maybe three that are Cowboys. And usually um, they're the only team that's duplicated. And as I look at it now, they are the only team. No other team shows up even twice. But the Cowboys have three separate games, the Broncos, um, the Packers, and the Giants. Um, top games and think about this and then we'll get back to it because I have another point about the Steelers game think about this so I agree by the way that 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 game was the game of the week probably the game of the year okay I mean to have that game at 430 I agree you know um, that's generally a game you want on Sunday night football but that said the fact that when they did the schedule, they didn't make it the Sunday night football game. They made the Cowboys and the uh, uh, Raiders the Sunday night game, knowing that the Steelers and the Patriots have a rivalry, knowing that both of these teams are pretty much in the playoffs every year, knowing that it is, it is possible they could be playing for a number one seed just late in the season. And yet they made it the 4 o'clock game or the 4.30 game, whatever, and they still kept the Cowboys at Sunday night, I, and, and and I'm not really digging it, UK star, but I'm just making the point. That's because the Cowboys, as many people as want to see them win, as as many people that want to see them lose, they're America's team for that reason. And and no one, no one in the NFL outdraws the Cowboys. It just it just doesn't happen. Everyone wants to see the Cowboys. That's true. So, That's anyway, true. And, and one thing I will but, say, I don't mind Tony Romo. By the way, I don't mind having him on the four oh, o'clock national TV he's game so because good. he's awesome. I love Tony he Romo. He is really good. Tony, Tony is so good. He, he does um, a good job. He, I, he, was, he was made for that position. He does good. I, I am happy for him um, a couple of reasons. Number one, um, it just shows what I've said for 10 years, how smart he is and how much he knows about the game. And it shows yep. it now. So, um, and secondly, um, you know, I, I think that while – you know, we're going to get to the Cowboys shortly and the whole index card stuff. But I think 
if you watch this team this year, nothing has happened that makes you think that Tony wouldn't have had the same or even more success. I think conventional wisdom is if Tony had this team this year, they wouldn't be seven and six. That those three losses that they had, Tony, yeah, you're talking maybe nine and you know maybe maybe nine and five at this point, or maybe better. Um, and and I think. And, and nothing against Dak. He's in his second year, man. I ain't nothing against Dak. I, I still have nothing but love for Dak, and he's growing. And what I said I meant in the last couple of weeks has proven my point. Russell Wilson, is, is, has, he's had a good season, and he's done some great things. But we've seen over the last couple of weeks it caught up to him. So I'm still sticking by what I said. I take Dak over Russell. Russell's a great quarterback. Dak's a great quarterback. But I've held my loyalty to Tony Romo since he took over the team. And even last year, I was the last one to say, okay, fine, stick with Dak. But that experience and that knowledge, what he would have done this year, if he had stayed healthy, we'll never know, but damn. And I think everyone watching him in the booth and sitting back and saying, wow, this, this guy's good. And, he, I mean, he sits there and tells you what's going to happen. We ain't see Phil Simms, Chris Collinsworth, you know, um, none of these guys that played the game. That, that sit up there and, and do the color commentary for the game, smart enough to do that consistently. I mean, he tells you, you know, I mean, it's, 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 but he does it in an he's entertaining level. It really yeah. is. I mean, he's already like won an award already. He's already won an award for, I saw it on the internet. He won an award for his broadcasting already first year. So I'm happy for Tony. I'm really happy. And um, frankly, I, I, I don't want to see him back in the NFL. He's found a niche. Um, he's good at it. Stick to it. And uh, I like to see you doing this for the next 20, 30 years, to be honest with you. Um, anyway, I want to get back to the Steelers because after this play, and I'm really curious K-Star's thoughts. Now, obviously, you know, we know that uh, Antonio Brown um, is out. Um, I'm glad that it's not season-ending. And I, and I mean that because I never like to see that on any team, especially a superstar of that caliber. You just you don't want to see that. So I'm glad that, you know, it's it sounding like he'll be back for the postseason. So so good for the Steelers. Um, but can you uh, – Ben, the, 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 the spike that wasn't a spike, that was the worst pass I've seen him throw in a long time in the triple coverage, that was an interception. What was he thinking? What have you heard? Because you probably follow the team closer than me. And what do you make of him? I mean, I'm sorry. Uh, he, he really, it, to me, he threw his coaches under the bus. I mean, he really, what he said in the post game about, that, you know, that whole, I mean, he tried to clean it up at the end, but he kind of threw them under the yeah. bus. What's your assessment of that whole, that whole thing? <clears throat> okay, start. Um. Well, I, I know for a fact that Ben did not want to run a play. He wanted to spike the ball, and he was frustrated that it got overturned, and they told him to run the play. But the problem is, you know, only one, one player ran a route on the play because there was that inherent confusion, um, you know, when Ben threw the ball. Um, I don't – okay, so, you know, maybe it's just a – that's my quarterback moment, but I don't really fault – Ben necessarily, uh, you know, because that play was, I mean, again, there was one receiver running the play, guys. I mean, it wasn't a, like a legitimate play. Um, and, you know, he, he, he threw to where he, where the only place he could hopefully throw to. I mean, you could suggest you could throw it out of bounds. Yes, that's true, you know, but given the circumstance and what happened prior, given that 
this wasn't, again, a play in which they did the practicing. There's only one receiver running the route. Um, it was a coach's fuck-up. Now, it very easily could have been an incomplete pass, and they could have run another play. But they also could have spiked the ball and put themselves in a much better position. And I think I'm, what I'm most disappointed by, and I think this is telling, is, A, first of all, you don't really see Ben react this way to where he's throwing coaches under the bus. Usually he takes the blame his own self and makes a point to do so. So I know this really agitated him and bothered him that they basically ran a half-ass play in which they didn't draw up and which he didn't want to run. Um, but, you know, it, it, for me it's, it's just tough to blame him given all the circumstances and, and the poor play design, and coaches really put him in a tough spot given what just happened. But, again, I acknowledge that could be the, just that's my quarterback moment. Because you're a homer. But, anyway, um, I, I, you know, here I could be. Here I could be. I'm acknowledging that this case I might actually just be a Ben homer here. But you, you know what sucks, K-Star, is I actually like the Steelers. I actually, I actually have always respected the Steelers. I hate the Patriots. Okay, I I I think I've, I've said it a number of times on this show. I met Bob Kraft. I shook his hand. I wore a suit with a red, white, and blue tie and a Patriot scarf because the company I was working for was trying to get the the uh, locker contract to manufacture the lockers. I didn't work on the manufacturing side. I worked in management, but that's another conversation altogether. But we had a factory, and we were trying to get the contract. And he came to visit to see what our capabilities was, because at that time, JB will remember this, Governor Rowland was trying to court them to come to mm-hmm. Connecticut and, and yeah. move to Connecticut, okay? And so I shook Bob Kraft's hand. I met Bob Kraft, okay? I've never met Jerry Jones, but I met Bob Kraft. And he said to me, oh, I see you wearing our colors. I wore it to be a company person. I wore it to get the business. I figured, hey, I know, you know, the little things matter. And I, you know what I said? I said, yeah, I'm a big fan. I almost choked on the motherfucking words. Yeah, we are ready tonight. <laughs> I almost choked. Hey, Jay. Hmm. I almost choked mm. on the words. I said to him, I'm a big fan because I'm being a company man. And then this mismism and Tom Brady and all of them after doing a rally, downtown Hartford and all that at the Capitol and getting the, getting the governor to do, give him the sweet deal to come down here, used us. So that Mass would come back and give them what they wanted so they could stay up in Mass and build whatever they built in Foxborough. So it was manipulation. So since then, that don't mean I don't respect Tom Brady and what he's done and the players. I don't, I don't fault the players because they're just doing their job. And Tom Brady's the greatest of all time. I don't, I don't fault him. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, you know, we were, we were happy in Bristol to have Aaron Hernandez play for them until that whole thing went south. And, you know, hey. Uh, rest in peace, Aaron Hernandez, and I'll just leave that right there. But um, And rest in peace, Odin Lloyd, and I'll just leave that right there. But the point I'm making is I can't stand the Patriots. So even though we go at each other, K-Star, I got a lot of respect for your team, got a lot of respect for, your, for the franchise, for the organization. You know, I used to love Chuck Noll. I used to love – I mean, you have three coaches that, you know, when I look at coaches that I would take any day, of course – my all-time favorite coach is Bill Parcells, okay? And he spent four years in Dallas. He's my all-time favorite coach. But my second is Tom Landry because Tom Landry was just an icon. You know, when you think about, you know, Chuck Knoll and, and all these other guys, Tom Landry's right there, right? And, and so yeah, Shula. I, Shula, exactly. I respect your franchise. So it bugs me that this happened because 
I wanted to see y'all win that game because I can't stand the Patriots. I can't. But I say all that to say this. Dude, I don't have the numbers in front of me because I didn't get a chance to look it up. But something like like um, Tom Brady has beat y'all guys like 11 out of 13 times, something like that. You know, something it's something obscene like that. Like, it's incredibly lopsided. And with this loss where y'all did outplay them, anyone who saw the game, y'all outplayed them. But you didn't knock them out. You kept them. You let them hang around. And, and, and obviously, you can't it fall through again. Is this a game that if y'all meet again, whether it's in Heinz Field or whether it's in Foxborough, where just mentally, already you've had a hard time beating them. Now with this loss where you pretty much did everything to win and still lost, is it just over for you guys when it comes to playing the Patriots? And I'm not, and I'm, I'm really, I know we go at it. This is a serious question. I'm really asking this as a football fan, like, like, is this anti, like, is this it? We see y'all in the, in the, in the AFC championship game. We might as well just pencil in the, the Steelers. I mean, I'm sorry, the Patriots as the winner. Are you, or can you guys, do you have reason to believe now take off your goddamn Homer hat. Okay. And give me, give us some real stuff here. Do you think that Mike Tomlin can rally these guys to get past this and let this game go? Yes. And the reason why I say that is, you know, the reason why the Steelers have suffered in this series is because Tom Brady has torched them, torched our zone defenses time and time again. And for the first time, we actually had a lot of success defensively. And we did, we did it by running a man uh, cover one and mixing up our, our coverages with, with man blitzes throughout the game. And we had a great deal of success getting pressure on Tom Brady. Um, we have to look forward to Joe Hayden being back. Uh, next week, and hopefully, you know, if we play the Patriots again, he's healthy for that game, and we still have Antonio Brown. So I think that we actually have a really good game plan for them when we see them, and we have the personnel to actually improve upon that game plan. And, and so for I think actually for the first time, and there, there's actually a lot of players. I know it sounds kind of funny given, you know, that statistic, but there are a lot of Steelers players in the locker room who actually were, were kind of trash-talking the Patriots because they think that they are the better team. It's one of those weird instances where, despite what's happened, it's like, all right, we know what the outcome of the game was, but you really know what happened, right? Like, it's one of those things where, again, we lost, but we outplayed y'all. And I think they actually have that, they have that inherent confidence. And they keep saying, we can't wait to see them again. We can't wait to see them again. We didn't, we didn't, I'll put it like this, we did not used to say that in regards to New England. So to me, that's uplifting. And, again, when you have the personnel, uh, improvements will get – through A.B. and Joe Hayden back, hopefully, uh, health, uh, so long as they stay healthy, then I think we absolutely have a great chance. And, and I didn't even think that we had a great chance because I didn't know that we would change up their, our defense, and we sure enough did, and we had a lot of success doing so, so that gives us all renewed hope. All right. That's fair. That's a fair That's a fair answer. And, and you know, like I said, I, I – you know, I'm not a Steeler fan by any stretch of imagination, so don't don't think I'm going to be swinging no terrible towel or anything crazy like that. I believe blue and silver. I'm a Cowboy fan, and that's how it goes. Um, but, and if y'all play anybody else, I'm going to be rooting against you. But if you play the Steelers, I'm in your corner because I can't stand them. Can't stand them. They've won enough. And, frankly, they're at five. We're at five. You guys are at six. 
Um, I want us to get the six before they do. Okay, so I'm being selfish here, but I, I can't handle this. I can't handle being, you know, like we had the lead in Super Bowls for so long. Now we're one behind, still tied for the most appearances, but one behind and wins. We got to get that number six before. before frankly, I want to get it before you guys get number seven and really put freaking lead out there on us. That's some bull. But I definitely want to get it before these guys um, get number six. But I will say this, and I'm sticking to my guns. Last three games, I have not been impressed with Tom Brady. Doesn't mean he can't muster up a good game coming up. That doesn't mean, you know, but I'm just saying keep an eye on him because he's not the last three games. And, again, doesn't mean, you know, that that I believe he's declining, but I could be wrong because I said this a few years ago and I ate my words. I put some salt and pepper and some hot sauce on them, and I gobbled them words. Them words were good as hell. I ate every one of them because I was, I was as wrong as I have ever been on the Madden voice. The omniscient one was the idiot one because I was totally wrong. I don't think I'm wrong now, though. And I think if y'all watch what he's doing, he's getting hit more. He, the pocket is collapsing on him more. His throws aren't as accurate. And thank God for Gronkowski because without Gronkowski – He's, he's nothing. He's nothing. We saw Ben without AB in it. Frankly, I don't yeah, – I, I would never dog, yeah, I'll never dog AB. But I tell you what, without having him out there, it almost looked like y'all got better because he didn't have that. I got to get the ball to the superstar. It was like, okay, I got, I got three other guys out here that can catch. I got Bell out of the backfield that can catch. I got a couple of tight ends that can catch. So he just threw the ball and spread it around, and y'all was moving the ball just fine. I was like, go ahead, Ben. God damn. Ben played a really complete game up until that last throw. He was awesome, that's for sure. Yeah. JB, any final mm. thoughts? Because we're about to switch over to the Cowboys, because that certainly had its drama. But I'd be, but uh, me and K-Star have been talking for a while. Any, any final thoughts that you had? Not that we may not go back to this, because this was the game of the week, and this was the controversy of the week. But um, and, and, again, I'm, I'm happy that AB will be back for the playoffs. But um, any final thoughts or comments, anything you had about the Patriots-Steelers game? No, I, I share the same sentiments of both of you. And, and let me also go back to the, the respect but hatred for the Patriots. I feel the same exact way. I'll never forget that. Never will I forget that. And you know how I am, T. I hold yes, a grudge the way Mariah holds a note. That's just how I am. You rub me the wrong way, that's your ass. That, that's just how just it like goes. It. Just, like, and, just like your yes. father. <laughs> hey, chip off the block. But when yes, they sir. did that and dangled that little that little trinket in front of us and then snatched it away, man, uh uh-uh. uh. I, I can't I can't put into words how it feels. Remember Beverly Hills Cop three? <laughs> when he was on stage talking to the dude that killed his inspector? Mm-hmm. You remember that part? Yeah. That's yeah. how I feel. That ooh, uh, that's that's <laughs> how I feel. Okay? That's the perfect way I feel. And and I respect the organization, but that I have hatred for that, and that, that's not going to stop until I stop breathing myself. The Steelers, hey, hey, hey. I, I, I hey JB, I got one for you. You remember the Rock and 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 the old lady, and and the old lady said, um, the Rock, the Rock wanted the old lady to sing for. Her. And he said, you want The Rock to sing for you? What's your name? And she said his name, and he put his, like, he was about to say it doesn't matter, but he stopped himself because it was an old lady. Yes. And he did that. Yes. That, that, mm. That's how I feel. Mm. Yes. Like, I want to yes. go at the Steelers, 
But I had to play in the Patriots, so okay, I'm going to let it go because they're playing the Patriots. I hate the Steelers. I can't stand the goddamn Patriots. Okay, yeah. sorry. Check, you can check that box off. And, and I'm glad you brought up the, 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 the part about the coaches with the Steelers. To have Noel Coward and now Tomlin from 69 to 2017, we're talking three coaches during a 48-year uh, span, mm-hmm. that's phenomenal. And, and that's, that's a, a, a tip of the cap to the organization, how it's done. And in case I, I mean, if I was in your shoes, yeah, I'd be, I'd have some homerism in and I'd have my homerism as a cowboy, but I can under, also understand your reasoning for having some homerism in you with your Steelers because we don't see that at all in any professional sport. Hockey, there's turnover. Baseball, there's turnover. Basketball, there's turnover. Football, even more so because it's such a grind and it's a win-now mentality. So to have three coaches during that time span, and you look at the Browns, the Browns have had, gosh, they probably had about 20,000 coaches over oh, the last 14 minutes. Yeah. So, and they that's in your own me. division. That's me. They yeah, called me. Like, yeah, a played out, like a played-out Tinder profile. That's pretty much. <laughs> it, it really is. So uh, yeah. tip of the cap to the organization, how they, how they run things from, from their coaching perspective and not turn it into a coaching carousel. Um, you know, the, the final thing I will okay. say is this. Okay. They played Sunday, but they will be playing again in the playoffs. And everything, anything that was missed slash learned will come to the forefront when they play in the playoffs. So I'm really looking forward to the rematch. You know, and I want to add one more thing, and I don't mean to make this a Pittsburgh Steelers show, but damn it, we've made it a Cowboys show. So, you know, we we go at K-Star all the time, but he's still our brother. And so we're we giving, yep. we giving him some therapy here because I know it was a hard loss. We're giving him some therapy. The one thing I want to say is this to all the football fans out there that are so quick to want to fire a head coach. You know, Jason Garrett, you know, I'm hearing it now. He, he's this, he's that. Let's get rid of him. And, you know, there, there's other coaches around the league. And maybe there's some that should be. Mar- Marvin Lewis, bye. <laughs> should have been gone years ago. Bye. <laughs> and, 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 and he's a brother. Bye. Here, let me hold the door for you, man. Go ahead. Boom. Oh, I hit you on that. Sorry. Um, Hugh Jackson, I'm not sure, only because I, 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 I just feel like, I don't really blame him for the dysfunctional organization. And if he's willing to stay another year, I think they need to keep him. That's just my opinion because that organization is just so dysfunctional. But when you talk to fans and the team has a bad one bad year or a couple of bad games, you, you, you hear the fans want to fire the head coach, want to fire the head coach. Would y'all look at one of the most successful franchises in the history of the NFL and how they have stuck by their coaches? And guess what? The coaches have been successful. Cower, successful. We already know what Noel did. Legendary. Legendary. How many times when a coaching vacancy come up do we hear, Bill Cower, Bill Cower, can we get him away from CBS? Cower's like, I am done. Okay? I am yeah. done. I did my time. I am done. But why would he still get a job today? Because of how great he was as a head coach. You know, players coach, passionate, spitting in people's face, the jaw, big Jay Leno jaw hanging out there. He was great. And then he <laughs> leaves, and then Mike Tomlin comes in, and it's like, okay, you know, you, you know, I don't know how you felt, but um, here's what I think of Mike Tomlin. I told you guys I appreciate the spirit and energy in which they fought. Um, please don't talk to me about more victories and things of that nature. Uh, that'd be disrespectful to those guys in the room. Uh, we, we didn't get the job done. We came up short. Uh, we accept responsibility for that. Um, you know, we will not go gently. Uh, 
we're going to unleash hell here in December because we have to. We won't go into shell. We're going to go in attack mode because uh, that's what's required. But uh, came up short tonight. Man, I'm gonna tell you. I love that quote. <laughs> man, yep. I, I mean, I get fired Holland. up too. Yo, I'm just saying. Right I'm just saying. I I think I think a lot of people criticize my coach because he won't do that, and that's not his style. You can't be who you're not. Okay, you got to be who you are. That's who Mike Tomlin is, and I love that about him. That you know that he will get up there and say that. I'm not making any excuses. But hey, we're not gonna go quietly. We're gonna raise holy hell. And and as mm-hmm. a as a competitive person as we all are, I know K Star is one of the most competitive people I know. I played the guy in Madden. He whooped up on me. I'm I'm really upset. I'm still upset. It's been years. He whooped me whooped me like he was my daddy. <laughs> Wasn't even he was sitting there talking to the next guy over the other game while he was playing me, because I was no competition. You know, I just played NJ Rod. I beat NJ Rod, so I did get a victory. Then I get to play K Star. Whooped me like he was my daddy. I don't like it. But but my point is I've seen him at tournaments. I know how competitive he is. Jay, you my brother. We done played together. We done played against each other. I know how hungry and competitive you are, and I know my passion speaks for itself. So we can all relate to that mentality of, oh, hell no. Love that. So my point is this. Congratulations to UK Star. You, you are a fan of a great franchise, and I mean that. And all you fans out there, loyalty. And I had an argument today, literally today, with a guy on the Cowboys Facebook, um, there's a Cowboys group. It's about 45,000 members. And I'm telling you, about 43,000 of them are idiots, okay? And this guy was like, we need to get rid of Jason Garrett. He's, he, you know, he's a puppet and he's the clapper. Jason Garrett gets criticized, you know, something will- you know, uh, Dan Bailey will miss a field goal, and you'll see Jason Garrett clapping. And people say, what's he clapping for? He just missed a field goal. He's clapping to pick the team up. People don't understand. It's like, oh, are you stupid? Are people He's that not stupid? Yes, people are that <laughs> stupid. He's clapping. Mm-hmm. Say, okay, let's go. All right, Lee. He missed it. Boom. Defense, we need to go get that yeah. ball back. That's what he's doing. But these morons that wear the fucking star because, you know, because you know what? I'm a loyal – excuse me, guys. I just got – I got to get this off my chest, so just forgive me for a minute here. I'm a loyal fan because on Sunday I put on a Cowboys shirt and hat, and I take a picture, and I put it on Facebook, and I say, go Cowboys. So that makes me a loyal fan. I don't even know the name of our fucking Pro Bowl center. I don't even know his name. But I'm a Cowboy fan, and I've been watching him since 1982, so I'm a huge – Huge fan, and it pisses me off because you're not a fan because you throw on gear. You're a fan because you support. And I yelled at this guy and I said, "Hey, hold up, man, hold up." First of all, Jason Garrett ain't no puppet. Second of all, he claps to bring up the team. He goes, "He goes, what are you delusional?" I'm like, "No, I actually watch the games and I actually pay attention to the team twelve months out of the year, not just the four months of the of the season and in a month or so of playoffs. No, in the off season." I'm reading everything. I'm following the team. I know who's on a practice squad. I know who's getting cut. I know who's getting signed. I, I follow the draft. Like, I follow the team 12 months a year. I know who Jason Garrett is as a coach, and he, he is a very good coach. Now, he's kind of underachieved with Dallas, but that's okay. I want him there for a while. He's going to be just fine. My point is, we just came off of three straight wins. We got Zeke back. Sean Lee is back. We're going to keep our fingers at Tyron Smith. He tweaked his knee. He's questionable for Sunday. Let's keep our fingers crossed that he'll be okay for Sunday. 
okay? But the team is coming to shape. And, and we got Seattle coming to town. Seattle looks a mess. So we're getting Seattle at the right time. And then we'll see about Philly the last game of the week. Don't know. We got to go to Philly, but we've had a lot of success in Philly. But they don't have Carson Wentz, and I am not afraid of Nick Foles. So we're, we're right in the middle of this thing. And I got Cowboy fans saying, fire Jason Garrett. We need to fire Jason Garrett. Why? He was coaching a year a year ago, and with all the adversity that the Cowboys have faced this year, we are still 15 weeks into it. We have a reason to play football. Redskins don't have a reason to play football, but y'all like Jay Gruden. Um, Giants don't have a Giants don't have a reason to do anything, <laughs> okay? <laughs> but we still have a reason to play football. We still are in this thing. And people are saying, fire Jason Garrett. It's just ridiculous. When you look at the successful franchises, when you look at the Steelers, when you look at the Patriots, you see continuity. You see coaches that have had a time to build a team and, and, and create a culture. And then when you create that culture, I talked about Gino Oriema to start the, the program. When you create that culture and you bring somebody in, the culture is, they're either going to conform to the culture or they're going to be gone. It's as simple as that. And that's why you want longevity in your head coach. I get it. You want success. You want your coach to win. I get it. I get it. I get it. But you need to give them time. And for these guys that are so quick after a couple of, hey, get rid of them. You're, you're morons. You're idiots. I, I just, it just disgusts me. And you know what? I, I don't agree with Stephen A. Smith most of the time. But when he says the Cowboy fan base is disgusting, on that point, I can't disagree because I deal with it all the time. Wake up. Educate yourself a little bit on the game. Please. Because you sound like morons when you talk about firing a guy who a year ago was coach of the year. And this year, with everything that's going on, still has this team in position to get into the playoffs. All right. Don't my rant, guys. I'm sorry. I just had to get that off my chest. Um, But while we're talking about the Cowboys, let me go over to JB on this one. So, JB, let's talk about two things that happened on Sunday. Of course, Cowboys did get a win. So, you know, no matter what, um, you know, we can be happy about that. How about them, Cowboys? All right. But a lot of controversy on the fourth down play and then on the um, David Carr fumble play. What's your assessment of both of those situations as it relates to this game? Is it a, are people just sour because the Cowboys won or do people really have a gripe here? No, they're just sour because I work backwards. The David Carr play, hey, hats off to, to Jeff Heath with the hustle play that he had. Um, he's been maligned at times throughout the year, but he came up big time on that one. That's why you hustle. That's why you play to the whistle. That's why you play till you see all zeros up on the clock. If he gives up on that play, the game over, potentially season over. But he didn't give up. He kept pushing gave his best shove on car, ball comes out before it can cross the, the pylon or, or the goal line, touchback, got to love it. As far as the whole fourth down play where uh, Steratore, the, the ref pulls out his little index and folds it in half, okay, listen, it's too much of a big deal being made out of it because, quite frankly, it was a poor spot to begin with. So that should have been the end of the conversation right there. If you were to look at the replay, you would see that there was a, a, a second uh, nudge or a second effort done by – Prescott before he hit the ground that put the ball over the 40-yard line. At least a, a, at least half the ball was past that 40-yard line marker. So I don't care about him folding up paper airplanes or index cards or whatever. It was a first down. It's a first down. Get over with. 
they just salty. Game over. Touchdown. <laughs> score. All that's done. Cowboys win. Shut it up. I, I I do want to make everyone aware in case they weren't paying attention. It was mentioned on the show. I actually knew before the before the game. Gene Serator was also the referee for the Cowboys Packers game where yep. that, that, that Bryant catch was not a catch. And this is the first Cowboy game he's been a head referee or, or at, on any position um, since that game. Um, I, I Obviously, I can say this because we won, so it's in our favor. I don't know how it feels. So I, I was trying to find out what the index card was all about because it didn't make sense to me. So what I found out was back in the, back in the, back in the day, um, that's an old school thing where – they would do. They would put the index card down between the ball and and the the um, stick. And the point of it is, if the fo- if it touches the football at all, it's a first down. If it doesn't touch the football, it's not a first down. So what Serator said was he did it to confirm his visual that it was a first down. People didn't like that. They didn't agree with that. They thought, it, you know, I agree with Jay. It was a poor spot to begin with, but. What 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 was really kind of humorous, <laughs> and I can laugh because we got the first down, was the smirk on his Look face. Look on his face. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah. he's like, I'll be damned. <laughs> I feel proud of because, him, though. Well, well he, I think he was playing to the crowd. He And you know what? On the real, and, and again, I'm going to be honest. I'm a Cowboy fan, so I can say this. Maybe if I was a Raider fan or maybe if it went against me, I would be pissed right now and I'll be and I will concede I might be a different turn tone. But isn't this isn't this enter, I mean, did we forget that this is entertainment? Football is a game and we watch it to be entertained, right? And so I kind of got a kick out of the fact that he was a showman about it. And then when he pointed the first down, he did it twice. To like emphasize that it's a first down, you know what I mean? Like, like, what's? I don't see anything wrong with that. And again, maybe I would if if he had said fourth down and went first down the other direction, then I probably would. It's some bullshit, and I would have been ripping. <laughs> but he didn't, and people were complaining, you know. And you know, I heard you know one of the refs on TV said, "Well, he didn't really have to do that." Uh, I think that was some showmanship. Okay, okay, what's wrong with that? I mean, I mean, the bottom line is this. It was the first down, so let's move on, you know, and, and, and that was the call. And, you know, David Carr, hey, man, God bless you, bro. You tried to make a play. That rule is clear. <laughs> now, that's a rule that there's no ambiguity. So why people are complaining about that, I don't understand. You could say you don't like the rule, okay, but that rule, unlike the catch rule where we, we can debate and say, well, subject to interpretation, a football move, holding the ball, what well, he did, you know, okay, this rule is clear. If you fumble the ball into the end zone and it goes out of bounds through the end zone, it is a touchback and awarded to the other team, period. That's the rule. It's been a rule as long as I can remember. So why now? Are people saying that's a dumb rule? And, you know, hey, okay, here's what, here's what I heard. Ryan Clark, who I actually like Ryan Clark, okay, former Steeler, former Redskin, um, but I actually like him on TV. I need, you need to do something about that hair, though. I don't, I don't get the hair thing at all. I don't, I don't get the twisties or whatever the hell he's doing. I get it. You know, we black, and, but I don't know. I think that's just too much. But, hey, I'm not on TV, so what do I know? But he said, touch back to the 20. So 
at that, what he's saying the rule would be if Derek Carr did that play, then they would keep possession after going back to the 20. What is the point of that? Like, what, what, why, would we, why would you do that? If you are stupid enough, and I don't mean that Derek Carr was, I mean, uh, David Carr was stupid. Wait a minute, is this David or Derek? Which one is this one? Derek. Derek, okay. You know, the other one's on NFL Network. I, I didn't, whatever. Okay, Derek Carr. I'm not saying he was stupid, but if you make that mistake and you're reaching to try to get the pylon and that happened, what happens? You lose. You lose the ball. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, you lose the game. I mean, I don't see why people were up in arms over that play at all because it's pretty clear. So, um, and <laughs> but he, that's the whole thing. That rule has been in place from who knows how long. We're, we're, I'll just round off and say decades. And it's been crystal clear that hasn't had, there's been no need to question that rule whatsoever. So it's pretty much etched in stone. Because it happened to the Cowboys and because it's the Raiders and because it's national TV and because it really determined the outcome of the game is why it's such a big deal now. If this had been the, the Giants and the Browns and it happened in the first quarter with the opening drive, this wouldn't be talked about. This wouldn't be a big deal, even if it was the same exact play that happened to either Deshaun Kaiser or Eli Manning. We would not be having this discussion. But it's because it's the Raiders, it's the Cowboys, with playoff implications, national TV, everybody wants to dissect every nook and cranny of it. And the rule is as stated. And there's, like you said before, the perfect word that you use was, or phrase is, there's no ambiguity about this rule. And that's what folks need to understand. There's no ambiguity about this rule whatsoever. It is what it is, and that it's a done deal. I agree. I don't even have anything to add to that. Um, all right, Pro Bowl came out. Um, Cowboys have four. I believe the Steelers have seven Pro Bowlers, including the eight. Killer Bees. Is it eight? Okay. Yeah, eight. Um, congratulations, and you guys can look up who's in the Pro Bowl. And I'm not going to spend any time on it now because here, here's what's going to happen. Pro Bowl ain't until January 28th, so it's about five, six weeks away. With injuries and all that, there's going to be about there's going to be five to ten other players. Is what happens in case you guys out there listening um, don't know. So, like, Carson Wentz is in the Pro Bowl, but he's not going to play. So, another Ryan quarterback. Ryan Shazier, he's not going to play. So another player will get to get that spot, and they don't take it away from the original player. It'll still be on their resume as a pro bowler, and they'll still benefit from that team's performance. So, you know, there's money. They, they make money. Uh, they get paid, and the winning team makes more than the losing team. That's, that's how they do the pro bowl. So, so, you know, so more players will be added to the roster. So we'll get back to this in a few weeks. Let's get through the season and get into the playoffs, and let's see how people's health are. But rest assured, that's how Dez got in last year. I believe it was – yeah, it was last year. Dez got in last year because, you know, which, frankly, I don't know that I agree with because I don't think he's been a pro bowler in several years. But, hey, congratulations. Um, Zeke is not in, but he lost – he missed six games. But you know what? Two or three injuries from now, and maybe Zeke gets in. I mean, he is a Pro Bowl caliber uh, running back, and um, and and real quick on on that, um, you know, uh, JB, I don't know if you saw the pictures of Zeke coming back from. Uh, yep. Oh, Tony Romo's on um, CBS Sports Network. They're interviewing him. Um, some kind of cute girl too is interviewing. Him. But anyway, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, she's cute. You know. 
Oh, I know. No, she ain't that cute. Nah, never mind. Tracy Wolfson. She all right. She ain't that cute. She look cute from the side. Anyway, um, I just want to say this. I am so proud of Ezekiel Elliott. I mean, he took six weeks that he was suspended, went to Cabo in Mexico, and worked out. And if you see the pictures, I was actually going to use one of those pictures as the photo for the show, but I really had to use the Steeler game because that was the game of the week. But if um, if you you know Google it, you'll see the pictures. Dude looks shredded. He looks like he really dedicated himself to getting his body in shape getting his mind right. Eric Dickerson went down, had dinner with him, hung out with him, worked out with him, said he was very impressed, that his head was on straight, he looked good. I mean, with all of the stuff that he's gone through, you know, the boat trip that he had, um, the, 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 the parade with the girl in the breastuses and all the other stuff, um, the fact that he was smart enough to just go away and work out, and they said literally he worked out uh, six hours a day, six days a week. Um, literally, he was gone for six weeks, worked out every day except two days while he was gone. And he worked out six hours a day. So kudos, man. Like, like whoever, whether it's his agent, his family, the Cowboys organization, whoever influenced him to actually do that, because I'm going to be honest, dude's 21 years old. Okay, 22, 21, 22, something like that. Um, you get six weeks where you ain't going to play. Most people at that age, yeah, I'll be in Miami. Yeah, I'll be in Hawaii. Uh, yeah, I'll be getting my party on. Yeah, I'm going to Vegas. You know what I mean? He went and, and worked and got his body together, got his mind together, and he's ready to go. So kudos to Ezekiel Elliott. Looking forward to seeing you back on the field on Sunday. He's got a uh, bet. Jersey versus Jersey with Eric Dickerson. He said he's going to get 200 yards. I, I, I don't think he'll get 200, but that defense is suspect, so we'll see what he does. But that's his goal on Sunday. And, man, God bless you. Welcome back, Ezekiel Elliott. All right. And, and um, see, let me add one other thing, too, real quick. Um on with it. 100% agree with everything you said. The other item is he stayed out of trouble. You didn't hear anything negative about him, and it wasn't a distraction to the team. I think that's right. just as important. SMB being in shape and staying in shape and, and grinding it out. So I want to add that in as well. Yeah, I meant that. I didn't say it. So thank you for, for being clear. I wasn't clear. I, I meant that as well. But thank you for adding that because that's exactly where I was going. He, the fact that he focused and didn't get in any trouble, um, you know, absolutely. So thanks, Jay. Um, let, me, let, me, let me go sideways for a second here. We're all basketball fans. And every once in a while I like to go off topic. And, and I have to – go here because we're all basketball fans and you know last night um i watched the kobe bryant halftime of the game between uh that was a pretty good game golden state and um the lakers um lonzo ball's actually looking decent he's actually looking like he's maybe understanding this game a little bit but anyway and that dunk larry nance jr good god almighty looking like your daddy go on with your bad self because your daddy was a fucking dunk machine Looking like your daddy. Go ahead, man. Dunking over Kevin Durant. Gotta love it. But anyway, Kobe Bryant retired last season, end of last season, um, 20 years with the Lakers, retired both of his numbers, and now the debate is on. Where does he stand in NBA history? So I want to ask you guys, and I'll go last because I can, but I'm just curious your thoughts 
on Kobe Bryant and where he sits. You can answer the question any way you want. But when, when history now judges Kobe Bryant, where does he sit in NBA history? I'll start with you, K-Star. Wow. Um, where does Kobe Bryant sit in NBA history? You know, certainly I think you have to look at it within a range. I think at worst he's top ten. I think at best he's top five in that four to five mark. I love Kobe. Um, and maybe I'm under, underselling it, but there's just been so many incredible players in NBA history. But, I mean, of course, we always start with Michael. Or the most start with Michael. But, you know, in Magic, I mean, you know, there's a, there's a great argument if he's a greatest Laker of all time because, of course, that franchise is loaded with so many incredible players. Um, I don't know that he is, and that's not like a detriment on him, but I think that he's about top five to ten. Okay. That's fair. JB? Well, okay, Star, we, we agree again because I was thinking the same thing. Um, no further than ten um, and anywhere between three and ten. Uh, obviously, with MJ right there and, and – um, Obviously, arguments can be made for Wilt the Still. Arguments can be made for you know, folks like Dr. J, and and, and uh, the list goes on and on. Magic, it's the position and it's the error that you have to think about, and it's and it's tough. So when you take all of that and try and put it to the side, I have to say the same thing. Um, he's probably in that four or five, but I would have him no no further down than ten for sure. You think about twenty years as a shooting guard in the in the NBA with the same team that alone stands for something. And then to have those five uh, world titles on top of it and all the all-star appearances. So yeah, he's probably more in that four or five range all time, no less than 10. Okay. Um, I'm going to agree with you guys. He's top 10. Um, I'm not going to go to top five. And I, I have, maybe a little bit of a unique perspective because I used to work with Rip Hamilton's mom. Okay. Back when Rip was at UConn and then when Rip went to the NBA and then um, obviously she ended up, you know, when he started making all that money, she was gone from the company we were working for. Pam Long is her name. Wonderful, wonderful lady. Um, Really liked her a lot. Um, And, you know, she offered me, you know, I'll get Rip to sign a thing for you. Know, I don't, you know, he could be my son. I don't, he don't need to sign nothing for me. It's cool, you know. Um, but, and so we talked a lot about basketball and, you know, they're both from, they used to compete against each other in high school. So I, I learned a lot about Kobe as a young man through her. So here, here's, here's where I'm at. On the plus side, 20 years, all types of records, five championships, um, you know, he is, he is no doubt about it. And my old friend, I'm sure he's not listening, but my old friend from my Madden League days, Escalade, used to, me and him used to talk about it. He used, to, he used to say he's the closest thing to Jordan. I used to say it's an insult to Jordan. Um, but it's true. He is the closest thing to Jordan that we've seen uh, in our lifetimes. Um, here's the problem, though. Here's why I say top ten and not top five. Uh, number one, he's not Jordan. Number one. And as great as Kobe was, Kobe at his worst was far worse than Jordan at his worst. 
number one. Okay. Number two, um, Jordan did have Pippen. He did have Rodman. He did have some great players. But he never had a Shaq. Never. I mean, you know, um, it, you know, Shaq, when we talk about dominant centers, when Shaq was at his prime, the only other person you could put in Shaq's category was Wilt Chamberlain. And frankly, most conventional wisdom would say that Shaq was more dominant than Wilt at his, at his peak. And when he was at his peak, he was with the Lakers. So Kobe had Shaq, and they both had Phil Jackson. So, so that kind of taints a little bit of Kobe. And here's the other thing, and I think you guys both touched on it. You playing with a storied franchise like the Lakers. So, you know, Magic came out and said he's the greatest that Kobe was the greatest Laker of all time. Okay, Magic's a showman. Magic knows, and that's why I love Magic Johnson, because you know why? Magic knows who he is. He don't got to, he's going to let everybody else argue about who's the greatest. He'll, he'll gladly say that Kobe is the greatest of all time. He'll gladly say Jason Kidd or John Stockton's the greatest point guard of all time, and let everybody else argue and say, no, Magic, you're the greatest Laker of all time. No, Magic, you're the greatest point guard of all time, because he knows what he did. He knows his legacy. I love Magic Johnson. Um, so Magic said that, and I don't agree. Um, Magic was greater than Kobe. Kareem was greater than Kobe. And Shaq was right there with Kobe because Shaq, without Shaq, I don't believe Kobe has five rings. So right there, and that don't even get into Jerry West. Um, I don't really count Wilt Chamberlain. Because, you know, he, didn't, he played for the Lakers, but he also played for two or three other teams. Um, I think I said Kareem. Kareem, you know, I mean, the sky hook, no one could stop it. Most points ever, MVPs, championships. So it's hard. To, it's, hard. You, it's hard to even put Kobe. I mean, you struggle to say Kobe's in the top five for the Lakers. You can say it, but there's three or four of the Lakers that are right there. Then when you start adding in the NBA and the Jordans and, hey, LeBron's making a case. Sorry, but he is. Yes, he's 3-5 and five in finals, but, damn it, the dude is insane. He's insanely good. And it's 15th year, and he's playing as good as he's ever played. You know, Bird and some of these other guys. So I, I, I think that I respect Kobe's career. And here's the last thing I want to say about Kobe. Don't go back to football. There were players that didn't want to play with Kobe. For some reason or another, they didn't want to play with Kobe. And I think that counts because we heard about them stories of superstars that were free agents and they were contacted to come play for the Lakers. They didn't want to play with Kobe. We can start to see a little bit of that with LeBron now with Kyrie leaving Cleveland. And he left because he didn't want to play with LeBron. Okay, let's just put it out there. That's why he left because he wanted to go be his own captain and he's tired of being second fiddle. But we've seen some of that with Kobe, too. Listen, I followed Michael Jordan his whole career. I ain't never heard of anybody not wanting to. I mean, Scottie Pippen played with Michael and won six championships. And we know how Scottie feels. We know Scottie wants to be his own superstar. We know Scottie is quick to say, I think LeBron's already passed Michael. Scottie will throw Michael Jordan under the bus in a second. But he sure played beside Michael because he knew he was going to keep getting rings. He sure didn't go nowhere. Dennis Rodman came over and played, Kukos, um, the list can go on and on of people that came over to play with Michael to get a ring. So 
I, I respect Kobe. Congratulations. 20 years, great accomplishment. I'm with you guys. Top 10. But I think when we start talking about greatest of all time, yeah, let's just stick to the man. Let's just stick to MJ. Everybody else is fighting for that title. MJ has it. It's over. Okay. I said my piece. Oh, yeah. Um, great. Train mm-hmm. is not here. Train is not here. So, um, and he did. He did message me and said that he had a flight to catch, but he thought he'd be able to get on the show, but um, probably not. And I know JB, <laughs> you were part of that debacle down in Atlanta that we all heard about. So I'm glad you came through that. Oh okay. my god! <laughs> it's so you were it's so weird. Jay was. Yeah, I was Jay, at the ahead. airport. I was at oh my the god. airport when it all happened. So it's not just was I a part of that. No, I was straight up in it. I was at my gate, got there early. I was chilling, had my food, waiting for it. I had a flight at, and it was 2.15. thought it was at 12, but it's all right. 1 o'clock, 1.05, something like that, everything just shuts off. Zoom, every, the power is gone. At the gate, the backup lights came on. It was about 30% of its normal capacity. The... Um, the restaurants in the area were still black. They they didn't even come turn back on. They actually ended up closing up. TVs were out. Everything was out. So we were basically uh, outside of the terminal areas. When you're at the gate, all the other main areas were all pitch black. And I was there from quarter to 11 all the way till about quarter after 6. And Damn. when I was heading out, because it's quarter after 6, as you well know, uh, quarter after 6, um, mid to late December, it's dark outside. So there's mm-hmm. no lights outside, and damn sure ain't no lights inside. So everybody walking around using their phone as a flashlight. And you know it's Hartsfield-Jackson, so we've got tens of thousands of people all stuck in the hotel. Some people are trying to figure out what happened. Some people are trying to get out to uh, transportation. Some folks are trying to get out to their cars. Some people are trying to find their bags. It was It was chaos. It was mass confusion. It was chaos. And to add to it, the, the workers there at the uh, airport couldn't tell you what was going on either. So you have all this happening. You don't know why it's happening, and you can't get anywhere. And it ended up being a complete ground stop. No flights were coming in. No flights were going out. And that's why I'm actually supposed to be in Utah right now, but I'm in College Park because that's where our beloved cousins stay, and thank God for them because – I would have to have driven all the way back to Buford, which is a 60-mile drive, just to come back and finally get my luggage today because my damn luggage flew all over the country without me. <laughs> oh, wow. You know, I was going to ask you when you texted me, I'll be on the show, I'll either be in Buford or College Park, and I'm like, why wouldn't he be home? But now you've explained it. Um, and you know what's surreal yeah. about this? You know what's surreal is is – watching like hearing about it on the news and like i was on the phone with my brother on sunday and he was just kind of nonchalant oh we just lost power right jay remember we were on the phone you were like oh yeah we yeah. Just lost power and it was yeah, like oh, the backup okay. stuff came on like all right chill yeah like like okay and then to hear it on the news and i heard it that night they shut down the airport and canceled all the flights i'm like wait a minute my brother was there you know it was like surreal to me like i just you know i was just on the phone with that negro and now, you know, yep. so, wow. So, <laughs> wow. And I'm at the airport saying to myself, this some bull. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yep. Well, you know, hey, bottom line is, and you know what they're saying? Rumor is, although no one wants to confirm, you heard what they're saying the cause of all this was? 
Yeah, some rat chewed through some wires and started uh, a fire. Uh-huh. Man, you know they're never oh, going to confirm God. that. Oh, hell mm-hmm. no. I'm surprised get they let that here. get out. Mm. They Ridiculous. need to send that rat to the White House so can join the other rat that's in the White House. Yeah, so I'm screaming. Uh-huh. But anyway, <laughs> um, real quick, um, we don't have we don't have train tonight, but Jeff Fisher wants to coach the Bears in 2018. That's a story that just came out today. Um, <laughs> I just curious. <laughs> I have to laugh. I have to laugh that that this guy who this guy who I mean, really, if you think about it, if you look at his career, he's really done nothing. He he, he has um um you know, it, it did a few things down in Tennessee, but overall, he really has done nothing in his career. And we've seen what he tried to do with the Rams and now he's gone and wow, look at that team now. They're looking like a juggernaut now without him, without him. And he just feels like he's got cachet to just say, I think I want to come back and coach and yeah, I want to I want to coach the Bears. I'm sorry, there's a coach there. Not, you know, not that you care, not that you would even think that, you know, he is still there. He's still employed. He ain't been fired. I think he probably will get fired, but he ain't got fired yet. But I'm just curious, uh, Case, I'll start with you. Your thoughts on Jeff Fisher wanting to coach? You already can tell what my thoughts are. But what are your thoughts on Jeff Fisher wanting to coach and uh, specifically, you know, calling out the team he wants to coach for? Uh, I think he has a lot of self-pride that he needs to check. And um, I think he's living in a – I think he's stuck in 1999. He can't get out of that, that time warp. Um, because that's the last time in which he was successful. He's been living off his old Titans team that came one yard short of winning the Super Bowl. They even win the Super Bowl, they came short. Um, and man, he has a grandiose sense of self. Got to give it to him, but it's ridiculous. <laughs> like, come on, dude. The NFL, the NFL's passed you by, dude. I mean, like, what else? What else needs to be said? I mean, the the job that a younger uh, coach did in McVay this year to your old team, in which you absolutely made look dreadful. Pretty talented in its own right. It's time to let go. Yeah, I agree. JB, any thoughts? The same thing. My question is why? 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 Go sit down. What you want yeah. to for? Yeah. What, so yeah. Are you try, yeah. you're trying to get, trying to figure out a way to, to get out of being, as, as uh, your boy Richard Sherman would say, being mediocre. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well said, man. I, you know, yeah, sit down, sit down, shut up. You know, go on TV and do something. That's what all the unemployed coaches that can't get a job do. Um, they go and they get on TV. And they, you know, you, you, someone will hire you, maybe, maybe. I don't know, but, um, JB, let me ask you this one, and we're gonna be wrapping up in a few minutes, guys. But um, so Diddy came out. Uh, we heard about what's going on in Carolina with the coach. Um, 81 years old, some uh, sexual harassment charges are pending or uh, something's going on there on that level and um, that now he's selling the team. He's actually stepped away from day-to-day oversight of the team pending the sale of the team. So he will be selling the team. I think it's a preemptive strike to save him some embarrassment. He's 81, um, you know, so whatever. But um, Diddy came out and said – and I actually have the quote because I found it interesting. Uh, Diddy, for those of you who don't know, that's Puff Daddy, Diddy, bad boy. Um, I will immediately, this is what he said, he wants to buy the Panthers, okay? Now, now, just so everyone's clear, I don't know if that means he would just buy them 
himself or he would get an investment group together because, you know, you figure I'm hearing the Panthers at two point five, three billion dollars um, about would be the sale price. And Diddy a bad man. I don't think Diddy got that kind of liquidity. So you probably have to get an investment group together. Uh, I did see Kaepernick tweeted. You know, the beauty about Twitter is like people, they, they show it on TV what people are tweeting, but you can actually go and see for yourself. It's pretty like it's kind of like weird, but I saw it before they said it on TV. I saw Diddy tweet. Hey, I want to buy the Panthers. Retweet this. Give me some momentum. Then I saw Kaepernick said, hey, count me in. Count me as part of that that group. Okay. But Diddy said this. I will immediately address the Colin Kaepernick situation and put him in the running for the next year's starting quarterback. It's just competition, baby. It's just competition. Now, this is a video that he posted on Twitter. It's probably on Instagram and all the other, but I saw it on Twitter. Okay. Um, I'm going to get you 2K stuff. But J.B., I just want your honest thoughts on all of this. K-Star, want, I'm sorry, K-Star. <laughs> Diddy wanted to buy the Panthers, and then his immediate comment on bringing in Colin Kaepernick and having him compete for the starting job, obviously he would be competing against Cam Newton. Your thoughts, JB? He had me until he mentioned bringing Kaepernick in for competition for the starting quarterback for the Panthers. Um, it'd be nice to see uh, an NFL franchise being owned uh, by someone that's a minority. It, it, it would be nice to see that. Uh, he made the mistake, and it may prove to be a fatal mistake, venturing into the whole Colin Kaepernick discussion, and you haven't well. even had a chance to submit a bid yet. So Preach. why go that route? If you're truly, truly serious about purchasing this franchise, why dip your toe into those waters now? You save that for when you've actually inked the deal. You are the owner of the Panthers. At that point, you can say whatever the hell you want to say. You can talk about anything you want. But you don't do that right now. You just don't. Because what you've done now, you've, you've diluted the seriousness of buying the Panthers, and you've diluted any opportunity to have investors want to come in and join you to buy the Panthers because now they're seeing you're only buying the Panthers in their minds. They perhaps could say you're just buying the Panthers so that you can get Kaepernick a job. That's all you're doing. You're just using the Panthers as a pawn to just get Kaepernick a job. So no one's going to take you serious. That's something you just don't mention right now. You wait until you're the owner. Then you do that, but not now. Mm-hmm. I like it. Uh, K-Star, anything to add? Yeah, you can't take him serious. He did that to himself. You know, if he were – investing in himself or with a group, fine, but the statement he made was so ridiculous. Like it, it seems like he's he's scratching for a social justice warrior points or something because the idea that Cam Newton would be in a competition with Colin Kaepernick is so offensive to actual <laughs> Panther fans and NFL fans and people who actually watch football. It's ridiculous. As soon as he said that I was like, What? I, I was just like, Oh my God, give me the best Cam gift I can find of him just looking completely baffled. Like, come on, bro. Like, that was just so, so unnecessary. Hey, listen, everybody knows I am unapologetic of my criticisms of Cam Newton. But Diddy, and I love Diddy, I don't know what the heck you're smoking. I don't know what the heck you're <laughs> thinking. You are running a a multi-billion dollar conglomerate, Bad Boy Entertainment. You you have come from nothing and created a, a, an entity of, of, you know, entertainment, of music, 
of, you know, you got Ciroc, he's got clothing line. I mean, you name it, his hands is in everything. And I commend him for that in, in a situation where, you know, you know, as a black, and I'm going to go there, as a black entrepreneur, you know, the odds are against us. And you and Jay-Z and a, and a few others really stepped up and, and given, you know, the black community something to look at and say, hey, I can do that too. Okay, because no one gave you anything. So I commend you for that. I think that was, you know, what you've done in, in the, that space is brilliant. And I commend you. I used to watch Making the Band when you used to have that show on MTV. And, and, and they, you know, you would go out and, and interview these people and tell them what it would take. Be like, hey, you want to be, be successful. This is how hard you have to work. Hey, man, I commended you. I'm like, you know what? That's Diddy right there, you know? Um, you know, I'm not into celebrities, so I'm not, I don't want your autograph. I don't want, you know, you know what I mean? Unless you're giving me money, you don't mean anything to me on that level, but I respect what you've done. I respect it and congratulations. But dude, man, you know, you coming into the NFL, like NFL needs you. NFL don't need you, bro. NFL is going to do just fine without you. And you trying to, you trying to be a maverick and, and set your own, um, you know, kind of standard. When you have no leverage, you've got nothing. You know what? Because there's going to be a lot of people that want to buy the, buy the Panthers. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if Michael Jordan doesn't get a group together since he already owns, you know, one team in Charlotte. Wouldn't be surprised if he stepped up and said, hmm, you know, there's, there's going to be a lot of multi-billionaires that are going to step up and want to take over that team. So number one, so you, you're not in a unique – it's not like we're talking the Browns, even though the Browns are, are a storied franchise, and actually they probably have a lot of takers too. You know, matter of fact, I'm going to take that back. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to insult the Browns. NFL, every franchise, someone, there's going to be people wanting to take over because the NFL is such a successful entity. But so number one, you're way off. And number two, dude, I get it. I, I agree with you. Kaepernick got, got rooked. It was wrong. He's unemployed for the wrong. I get you. But, but dude, I, I got to teach you how to play the game? You're going to talk about what you're going to do for Colin Kaepernick and you don't even own the team yet? And, oh, I'm sorry, the team has a Heisman Trophy, MVP quality, Super Bowl playing quarterback named Cam Newton, who happens to be African-American, and you're going to just, just say I would put him in to compete? Like, like, so now what you're showing is as smart as you are in business and entertainment and music is as dumb as you are in NFL football because you would actually bring Kaepernick in to compete against Cam Newton. And I'm no Cam Newton fan, but ain't no way in damn hell he's not going to be my starter next year. I'm sorry. That ain't happening. Did we sign Aaron Rodgers? Did we sign Drew Brees? Ben Roethlisberger, Tom Brady. Oh, we didn't. Okay, Cam's a starter. We're gonna take a guy that ain't throwing a pass in 18 months, a guy that you know has a questionable resume. He should be in the NFL. He should at least be a backup, if not a starter. But not over Cam Newton. What is wrong with you? So if I'm an NFL owner, or if I'm the commissioner and I see this, I'm like Diddy, a lot of money. And, to t- and, of course, he commented how it would be the best halftime show ever. And I believe it would be. But that's your focus, bruh? <laughs> your focus is on giving Cam Newton a chance to compete. I'm sorry. <laughs> Colin Kaepernick a chance to compete against Cam Newton. Eh, and great halftime shows. Eh, 
your focus isn't on bringing a Super Bowl to Charlotte? Shouldn't that be the first thing you're saying? Shouldn't that be the main thing you're saying is, I want to own this team. I'm going to surround myself with the best football minds. We're going to, we're going to put a great leadership team together, and we're going to bring you guys a Super Bowl. Wouldn't that be what the people who you want to support you, wouldn't that be? That's what I would want to hear. I want yeah. to hear, what, what are you bringing me? You bringing me Super Bowls? Let's talk. Oh, you're going to bring me a great halftime show? Yeah, okay. <laughs> Have a nice day. So, he, I'm disappointed he's in the point of, of He's missing the point of politics because we've seen it in this past election. You talk about wanting change. You talk about wanting to make America great again. You appeal to what you believe are the masses. You end up winning, and once you're in, you can do whatever you want to do. That's what he has to do because if I'm not mistaken, and in, in, in case that y'all can correct me, don't you need three-quarters approval from from the, the other um, yes. owners in the league? Okay, yes. so with that being said, you're already showing your hand as to why you're doing it. You've now cut your hand off because now they know you're not getting in there. I don't care how much money you got. I don't care what kind of plans you're going to make. You already, you've already put your, your best card out there for everybody to see. There's no deception, and I'm sorry, but we live in a world where if you want to get ahead, you've got to practice some deception. It's just, that's just how it goes. We've seen it in the Oval Office. Uh, this past year, trickles on down. So from that perspective as well, he shot himself in the hand, cut it off, shot in the foot, fell off. It's not going to happen. And that has a lot to do with it. It's almost as if he made a joke of it. It's like there's no way he thought that was a good pitch. Like there's just, there's just no way. It was just so bad. See, and and and, and, and like, K Star, unfortunately, I don't agree with you. I actually think that's Diddy. What? I actually think he's that arrogant to think that he can do that, and people will take him seriously because he's not in his he's not in his arena. It's it's no different than uh, when Trump yeah. by Buffalo. You know, right. Trump just think you know what I mean. And Trump I, just thought he could just yeah. bulldoze his way in, and the NFL owner said, "Yeah, try that. Yeah, goodbye." It's, and, yeah, and, that's and, actually what I was about and, to bring up, too. Yeah, I mean, and, I, and please, I do not like anything about Donald Trump, so please let's not, let, let's not get it twisted. I'm only making a comparison about two people trying to get an NFL team and a lack of respect of the process. Trump showed it a few, several years ago. I think it was 2014, and it didn't get him anywhere, okay? And now we're in 2017, and Diddy ain't even got out the box yet, and it's not showing <laughs> respect for the process. You know, it, it's, 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 and I'm sad because I don't know that Diddy would be a good owner. I don't know. I know that everything he's done, he's done very well. So I don't know, but I agree with JB, man. I would love to see a minority own an NFL team. I would, I mean, I wish I was in that position. You know, I ain't got JB's money. I ain't got K-Star's money. I ain't got Dr. Train's money. I ain't got you guys' money. Y'all three should get together and do a um, investment group and, and try to get the Panthers. Cause I, I, you know, I'm on, I'm on the weak side of all that cash flow. You know what I'm saying? But, um, I would love That's to see. <laughs> I would love to see minority ownership in the NFL. We done did everything else. That's the last thing we need. And you know what's funny? I sit there and I watch. I watch the. Uh, they, 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 you know, oh now the Oakland Raiders offense. Oh now the Oakland Raiders defense. Oh now the Dallas. And they show. And I'm just looking at Negro, 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 
Negro. Oh, white person. Like, it's all black. Woo. When you go up to ownership, not one. Not one. Mm-mm. So I would love to see one. I don't think, based on what I'm hearing right now, I don't think Diddy is it. Um, you know, maybe, you know, maybe there's uh, smart, smart owner, minority owners who are, you know, definitely ramping up for it, though, that are playing smart right now. Well, Magic Johnson, you know, got a group together and and is a now he only owns three percent. But, you know, I'm saying only like, you know, like I got that kind of money, but he owns two percent of the uh, Los Angeles Dodgers because. He's a Los Angeles guy, and it made sense. That's why I'm thinking Michael Jordan with his, you know, North Carolina roots, the fact that he already owns the Bobcats, hey, maybe he can be part of an investment group that, that buys the Panthers. You know, wouldn't be – wouldn't be. it's not that much of a stretch. You know, and he already no. – he is, he is a franchise, a professional franchise owner. So politically speaking, he knows what to say and what not to say. We ain't got to worry about Michael Jordan saying the wrong thing. That ain't never going to happen. So maybe he can do something. I don't know. It's going to be very interesting to see what happens over the next uh, three to six months because this does take time. It, it would be interesting. Um, any of the investors out there that are interested and you want a consultant, you know, I'm cheap. Holler at me. I'm, I'm cheap. I'm very cheap. I don't, I don't charge a lot for my services. Um, all right. I think we about covered everything. I got Gino. I got Kobe. I got uh, touched on the Pro Bowl, Fisher, Diddy. Uh, Steelers, Steelers, Steelers. We'll do six seed next week. I was gonna say who's gonna win the six seed, but let's let one more week go by and see who's left. Packers are out. Aaron Rodgers. I guess that can be the last comment. I'm curious what you guys think of Aaron Rodgers being on um, injured reserve. It just, I don't know. Something about the whole thing feels funny to me. Uh, you bring him back, and he doesn't play well, and then you guys lose. And now Atlanta wins, so now you are eliminated from the playoffs, and now you put them on injured reserve. Well, so you put them on injured reserve, injured reserve, because you're eliminated. But you would have let him play. Seemingly, that's the impression I'm getting. Had Arizona, I mean, had Atlanta lost, and you guys were still in it, then he would have played Sunday. Is is there something wrong there? Shouldn't injured reserve be because? You're injured. <laughs> I mean, help me out here, guys. JB, your thoughts? Yeah, that that one didn't sound – I'm not surprised, but it still didn't sound right. And the reports coming out prior to the game was he's medically cleared to play, but they know he's not 100%. When the injury first occurred, they were adamant he would not play unless he's 100%. So I thought the, the question is right there at that point. If he's not 100%, why is he playing when you said he had to be at 100% to play? So that's where I start the conversation. But since we're now after that, um, there's two sides to the story. There's the side of, well, they're, they're eliminated. It doesn't make sense to risk injury and further damage a la Tony Romo. They probably have that in the back of their mind. Want to make sure he continues to now get fully healed up so he can be ready for the upcoming year. But then there's the other side of it, which you know he wants to play. He wants to get out there and be with his teammates, even if they're not playing for anything. So, that that's a, a tough one to to understand as to what direction you should go in. And if you leave it up to the player, he's going to play. If you leave it up to the medical staff, then there's a, a point that he may not play. And it doesn't sound like he probably should have played in this game. He's just well enough to get over that threshold to be able to get out there. Um, so I, I honestly, I'm not sure. It, it doesn't seem right. It doesn't sound right. But it didn't sound right from 
from the very beginning either, even prior to him getting out there on the field. Okay. K-Star? Yeah, it doesn't really make sense why he's healthy enough to play this past week, but then all of a sudden he's back in IR simply because the circumstances change. If you're healthy, he should. If he's healthy, he should play. Like, and if he's not, you know, I wonder how much, how much risk they put him under by playing him because that would suggest that he was rushed back and that he was nowhere near healthy. Um, I don't understand. Yeah, and selfishly, we need you guys to beat um, Detroit the last game of the season. So, you know, you know, you have a better chance with Aaron Rodgers back there than you do with Huntley, Huntley, Brett Huntley, whatever his name is. But, I mean, you know, whatever. It is what it is. I, I just think there's something, you know, when we talk about rules and, and stuff, and if a guy is injured and you take him off of injured reserve and you say he's healthy enough to play and he's medically cleared, then you lose and now you're eliminated and now you're putting him back on injured reserve. To me, there's questions now. So now he's on injured reserve. So did he play hurt or did something happen during the game? Because it's funny how you waited till after Atlanta won and you were eliminated to put him on injured reserve. It's just, to me, there's a manipulation of rules there that I don't particularly like. But what the heck do I know? Um, all right. Last but not least, power rankings. Um, I'll call these the Floyd power rankings because JB and I did our power rankings. I did not hear from the other members of the of the group, but what else is new? But anyway, so this is not the Madden Voice Power Rankings. This is the Floyd Power Rankings. J.B. Floyd and Commissioner T. Floyd. The Floyd Brothers Power Ranking. And we have at number five, we have the Rams, who looked mighty good, whooping up on the Seahawks. At number four, taking a significant drop, are the Steelers, but still in the top five. Number three are the Minnesota Vikings. Case, don't screw my name up, Keenum, is actually making a case to say this might be my team next year, too. What? Uh, number two, the Carson Wentzless, Philadelphia Eagles. And number one, the New England, Gronkowski, Patriots. So there are the TMV, a.k.a. Floyd Brothers power rankings. All right. Yes, Let's get on out of here. Um K-Star, let's go to you. Your final words for the night. Uh, listen, I just hope that we – I just hope that we finally address what a catch is in this offseason. Until then, let's let's grab those footballs when you catch them. Like, some, like there's some titties you want to grab per tee. Uh, according, according to tee, that's the way to do it. Just imagine there's some juicy titties and just hold on to it for dear life. <laughs> mm. Um, no Man, outbreaking. me smile just, just thinking just about that one, boy. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, nah, enjoy enjoy the show. Sad train wasn't here, but always a pleasure. It's a good event. Okay. Um, JB, final words. Um. You know, I'm so doggone tired because of all this travel. American Airlines, you can kiss where the sun don't shine, sending my stuff all over the country without me. Um, from a football perspective, there's a lot going on outside of the game of football itself. And in case you just touched on, and we've talked about it all night, 
And it's, it's nice to be able to watch the games and put all that stuff to rest. The whole PDD buying the Panthers, the reason why the Panthers are for sale, the whole question of the catch, the argument about how the Cowboy Raider game went, and so on and so on. It's so nice to just get back to basics, get back to the gridiron, get back to watching the football games as a fan and appreciating the the, the mentality of the football players and the grind that they go through and the, the performance they put on. Some of the best athletes in the world. And that's what I enjoy, watching the game for the pure enjoyment of it. So that's what I'm looking forward to this coming weekend, the pure enjoyment of the game. Well, I'll just say this. <laughs> that's all good. I'm looking for a win against the Seahawks Christmas Eve. 4.30 game. That too. Zeke, yes, Zeke is back. Uh, Sean Lee is back. Uh, Tyron Smith is questionable. I'm hoping um, he plays, but if they need to keep him out of game and we can get this win and we can be full strength, it's looking like the Eagles may have something to play for uh, last week. So, um, you know, their starters are going to be ready to roll. So, hey, there's a lot of scenarios out there. Dallas went from having a, a 4% chance to get into the playoffs. Now it's a 9% chance. Hey, you know what? All of the statistics don't mean jack to me. Go out and get a win, and you're still alive. And everything else will fall into place or not. But I will say this. I will say this. This team gets into the playoffs. Look out. Because they really, the defense is starting to play well. You get Zeke back. The offensive line is looking good. And uh, Sean Lee is playing well. You know, we, we know that he's a bit injury prone, but I noticed they're, they're, they're modifying how they play him now to try to keep him fresh. And, you know, he's getting some time off during the games, and I think that's smart. So they're trying to make sure that, you know, they have him on the field when they need him. So if this team gets into the playoffs, and, 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 and you know, you want your best six teams in on each division, and um, – you know, when you look at an Atlanta team that struggled to beat a Tampa Bay team, and I know it's a division game, but Tampa Bay's terrible. And you struggle to beat a Tampa Bay team. You know, I, I, I don't know. And then you got Detroit, who, who could sneak in there as well. You know, it, it's kind of sad that the Cowboys could be win the last two games, play well, looking like world beaters, and maybe sitting home for the playoffs. So I'm going to keep my fingers crossed, stay positive. The Cowboys, you know, not, you, the only thing you can control is your home Sunday night, Christmas Eve. Bring us a Christmas gift, man, and get this win, okay? And get to nine and six, and then let's see where we are after that. So that's all I got. That's my main focus. And listen, for everybody out there, um, you know, holidays coming up. I may do a couple of shows. Um, I'm not sure yet. I keep thinking I want to do a couple of shows like during the day and just do all cowboy talk. So we'll see. I may or may not. I'm gonna play. Wait, hold on. I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry. I got I got a call coming through. Gotta gotta take this. Gotta what? Okay, hold on. Gotta gotta let this call come through. Excuse me, guys. Gotta let this come through. We'd like to take a moment to thank you and your family for the warmth and friendship that you've shown ours, for sharing your hospitality and your stories. In this holiday season, we're reminded that the things that unite us as a people are more powerful and enduring than anything that sets us apart. And we all have a stake in each other, in something larger than ourselves. So from our family to yours, I'm Barack Obama, and I approve this message. Merry Christmas. Happy Holidays. Yeah, okay, hey man. You know, it's just funny that every year 
that Madden Voice can get now the former president of the United States to call in and, and say Merry Christmas to us and to everybody out there. I, I you know, I just gotta gotta love it. So thank you, thank you, Barack. You know, for calling in again, and Michelle, and you know, and, and the kids. Oh, they. I think they're a little older than that. I don't know why they sound so young. Maybe it's a bad connection or something, but I think they're a little older than that. But anyway, thank you, Barack, for Merry Christmas. So anyway, um, on that note, I wish everybody – again, there may be a Madden voice between now and Monday, or there may not. If there is, um, great. If there isn't, then, hey, regardless, I hope everyone has if, – if you celebrate Christmas, I know we're in the politically correct era, and you can't say Merry Christmas now. You have to say Happy Holidays. So listen, I'm going to say Happy Holidays, but I'm still going to say Merry Christmas, okay? So whatever it is you're celebrating – Enjoy it. Enjoy your friends. Enjoy your families. Enjoy your gifts. Enjoy your food. Whatever you do to celebrate, please do. Please enjoy it. Um, you know, these, these, the world is tough. Life is tough. So if we have a few minutes to just sit and take a deep breath and enjoy our friends, enjoy our families, and give somebody, you know, some happiness by giving some presents and giving some gifts and making somebody smile, then, hey, man, what more can you ask for? Okay. So Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays to everybody. But we will be back. <laughs> we will be back next Tuesday to talk about the Cowboys and the Steelers and everybody else. So for Dr. Train, who is not with us tonight, he's traveling. For K-Star, for JB, hey, man, we're seeing what happens two weeks to go. The Madden Voice will talk soon. Remember, though, all feuds are settled on the field. Good night, everybody. Bop 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 b